You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline tired of spills and stains on your sofa wash away your worries with anabay anabay the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Hey, y'all. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley. And man, this episode, I just... I'm excited Mm. to be back with our LRTT family. Absolutely. But it's Breonna Taylor. And and How can you say her name without reaction, without emotion? Right. Exactly. Wow. It's a lot. First of all, as hard as it was to watch this episode and to see all that we saw... I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful that they brought it to the table. Absolutely. They definitely need their voice heard, all of them, every single family member. It was nice to see she was a girlfriend, she was a sister, she was a Mm -hmm. daughter, because I think we hear the name and kind of disassociate. Some people may think it's just a one-off situation, but it happens truly more than we know. And Kara, in saying that, at the end of the episode, I truly didn't know some of the names that Ben Crump said. I was Mm. like... Who is that? <gasps> right, right. Now, let me what? do my additional research. Right. And I was so angry. No, you know what? Angry is not hard enough. Angry does not convey the frustration enough. I right. was livid. I was lava hot. Because I just thought, really, while I'm at home asleep? That part. But I was happy to hear from the boyfriend. I, there were some pieces of just the story and how it transpired. I heard as well for the first time. For the first time. Right. We knew, mm-hmm. but we didn't know. And... 
what it took to get those charges dismissed for him, the fact that he missed her funeral, the, it was so many other pieces I was upset about. Okay, because to know that the disrespect mm. for her life and the absolute disrespect shown to her mother. Right, right. And that he wasn't told what happened. He had to see it on the news. On TV. <sighs> okay. That... While uh, you're being processed. I, you know, <laughs> jail is already its own stressful situation. Now, see, I'm going to tell you something, Kyle. I don't know nothing about jail. I don't know much about it. I haven't <laughs> been there. But I do know it's, it's not the happiest of places. <laughs> okay, okay. You were saying it like, I'm like, okay, now, do we need to talk about this? Because uh, you're like, jail is already not happy. I'm like, I don't know about jail. I, I but know based on what I... Understand that people are not happy about going to jail. So you're right. That yes. part. Yeah, that I'm with part. You. I was not trying to imply that you, <laughs> you were jailbird. That's not what I was saying. I was just like, no. you speaking in first person, so I want to honor that. Right. I, no, I completely understand. But I, I just couldn't. I can't fathom, really. That's really what I want to say. Like, just to be grieving. And then he's like, freshly grieving. State of shock. That part. Right. And being processed. And even after you understand what's going on can't go to any services. I mean, the whole thing had to be absolutely surreal for him. Poor Kenneth. And then, too, that no matter how much healing you go through in in the journey of that and how much progress in healing he makes, Mm -hmm. there's still the fight. There's still the civil fight. There's still all of these things that are just lingering on that make it so difficult. And that was just grieving me. Yeah. I felt the burden of that, the weight of that for him. (gasps) On top of having your last moments alone. I think about Brianna often. And just even when the mom heard the officers tell her, like, she's still upstairs. There's so many pieces. There's layers to this one. It's it's just a lot. I can say this. Yes. And I've said this in almost every episode because Mm -hmm. we've had such a full-weighted season with Red Table Talk. Because we've had so many important topics that have been brought to the table, right? Necessary conversations, yep. Absolutely necessary conversations. And this one, I think, is even more powerful to me because I heard it at the table, Mm -hmm. right? Because there were Black women and Black mothers and Black daughters and sisters and cousins that we know are at the table in Jada and Gammy and Willow that made it important for them to be in the safe space of the table to tell this story and then to share all these details that were not readily available to the public. Mm -hmm. All of the blatant disregard and disrespect and just lack of concern. Right. And as much as we love to talk and have fun, it is important that our platform also gives some important awareness to the injustices that are happening in this country. And this Breonna Taylor story is 100% one of them. Definitely. And the fact that they are still fighting to date for her. Still fighting. Makes me sick to my stomach, to tell you the truth. Still fighting. And and that the corruption in the office is finally coming out because that's the unprecedented part in a sad way. Kara. That many times it just continues to stay covered up. This is the part that makes me want to literally Girl. scream. Okay. <laughs> part. See? It's the corruption. The governor? Mm. Mm. Mm-mm. See, both of us, all we could do was say, mm. the <laughs> governor. Really? Ooh. I, these really? Are, these are our elected officials. No, you know what? 
Okay, you know what? I know that you do your level best, Cara, to try to see the glass half full and look on the sunny side <laughs> of things. For the and the little bluebird, the little bluebird sings on your shoulder. I get it. I get it. However, comma, right. the governor of Kentucky is a black man. He is a black man. And the fact that the corruption went all the way up to him and that he covered it. Yeah. Vile. And then he has the unmitigated gall to run for office again. Sir, if you don't go take a seat. <laughs> it's the audacity for me. I mean, go have a know, seat. speechless. I, seriously, speechless. You, again, these are our elected officials that we're supposed to be able to trust. Isn't that how it works? Long ago and That's far away. That's how it works, right? Long ago and far away. <laughs> in the Luther Vandross voice, okay? Come on now. In the, in the, in the faraway land. We used to believe that when you had people that were the same skin, that they uh-huh. were kin, that they looked out for you. There was a whole neighborhood, the village, uh-huh. the whole mentality that people that were alike supported each other. It's supposed to be. But the great Michael Jackson made a song about it. It's called They Don't Care About Us. And that's on so many levels. It's well, accurate. the first time I learned that. It is, unfortunately, it is accurate. We're not going to talk about the current people who got the initial CO, not giving that person any credit Mm-mm. here, no no time. Mm-mm. But I will talk about the other person's name that starts with the C, and that's Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Bless his heart. That was the first lesson for me. That was the first lesson for me, Cara. When I realized what he was really about, I was like, this man has just broken my heart. Right, and was like confused about it. Clarence Thomas, I was younger and working in corporate, those are two instances that have me just realize everyone is not on the same wavelength as you. Yeah, Everyone does not think the same way, and you cannot convince them to change. We got to have some change, though. We've got to. We do. At some point, there has to be some change. So when you think about, you hear stories like Breonna Taylor's. Mm-hmm. What is your mental an emotional journey as you process what happened, Carl. The first thing I think is that could have been me, especially mm. when it's women. I mean, we don't see it many times, but between this and Sandra Bland, mm. in the initial moment, I think, man, that could have been me. But then I think about my son. Like, it just starts to run a certain strand of anxiety through my mind anytime a situation happens. But process it. I try to put down the phone and not scroll as much during those times or wait mm-hmm. a little while so that mm-hmm. some more details can come out. Because you don't want to be overexposed and desensitized at the same time. And the overexposed, really, though, that's the main part. Because I don't want to be over-saddened by it. It's, it's something that hits you in your core. But what about you, Tracy? How do you process They make me so angry. I have an activist spirit. Like, mm. there's an activist animal, like the inner core of me. I want things same. to be... Well, because it's just wrong. Wrong is wrong, no matter mm. how you slice it. And so I know that the only way that we can correct wrongs in our country is through legislation and Mm -hmm. by being active, this whole term, this whole season, our whole Mm -hmm. country, all of it, to your point, we've had so much information. We have numbed out, Mm -hmm. in Yana Van Zandt's way of saying, neck down dead, (laughs) you know, that people have really, truly been desensitized because we have access to so much information. And because of that, I think that you either scroll past it mm-hmm. or you're so hypersensitive to it that mm-hmm. there's no kind of meeting in the middle of it. 
So what I've tried to do is honor how I feel when I see things that happen like Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor's story. And it's unfortunate that this was not an exception. Right, right. Mm-hmm. This wasn't an asterisk, an ad hoc. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That this has happened so many times. Several times over. Yeah. It's That I have to just allow myself to feel how I feel. And yeah. this is truly going to like the feeling wheel of it and saying, okay, now how do I really feel? Because you can't, I'm mad. Well, no, how do I really feel about it? Because this could have been my little sister. This could have been my daughter. And the hurt. Yeah. And honor the hurt. And then I have to change the hurt to action. That part. And make sure that I am being part of the solution and not just talking about oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. That That's that's really important as we continue to get upset out here and just, again, continue to not be able to fathom how we're feeling, that it's happening, mm-hmm. like the unbelief of it all. We mm-hmm. have to make sure we self-assess and go out here with the right perspective. And for me, the key is to ensure that I keep myself current on what's happening or as mm-hmm. current as I possibly can. And then to make sure that when I'm in settings where I'm with peers or moreover, and more importantly, with younger family members, Cara, mm. that I am stressing the importance to them that it is okay for you to have a voice, but you need to know how to use the voice and when Ooh. it is appropriate. And then, too, there's so many stories we hear in the media now about gun violence and deaths and murders. And mm. it's it's hard. It is hard. It's hard to hear all these stories of Black deaths. It is hard. As you said, we're all trying to take things in our own hands. You got your own freedom fighters out here. But right. We have to continue to protect ourselves mentally, spiritually, emotionally from all these things. How do you protect yourself from additional trauma? When news stories of Black deaths appear in your newsfeed, when you're scrolling, how do you prioritize your own peace while also being outspoken? Yeah. You do know that outspoken part then, I guess, huh? <laughs> oh, we see it. Make sure y'all follow Tracy T. Rowe online. It's, it's hard. It really is. And it, there's a sadness. And so mm-hmm. peace in the midst mm-hmm. of chaos has to be intentional, right? It has to be intentional. And so part of what I try to do as a daily practice, in addition to my affirmations for myself, is to focus in, and I listen to a 528 frequency. That's a healing Mm. frequency. That's the love frequency, right? And it's a healing frequency. I think I've I've seen it referred to as the love frequency. Okay, well, healing and love. You know, I can see how they would be synonymous. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at, and us, so, look at us getting our chakras together. Okay, yes, I do. I try. And so speaking of that, I try to make sure that I, I don't know what the people are that are called and shout out to y'all that are into crystals and stuff. I love that, but I don't practice it, but I appreciate it, I guess right, is the way to right. say it. And so in terms of chakra, because of the way I am, my heart chakra is always needing mm-hmm. some care. Mm-hmm. I go to sleep at night. To answer your question, long, long, long story short, I listen to that 528 frequency at night I before know, I, I go that's to sleep. Good. Mm-hmm. I love a good sleep meditation. Mm-hmm. You vibe should try as well. it, Kara. All do, of y'all listening to me, try it. 528. Yes. 528. Listen, I prefer a nice guided meditation sometimes because my oh, mind will. Yeah. So my mind starts looking like the soul, soul train scramble board. I just, it's thoughts Not everywhere. The so. soul, the soul <laughs> train. train. <laughs> So, yes, I have to kind of 
pull my scrambled thoughts. And then that's the other part. We find a way to laugh. We find right. a way to release and to have some some spark. There's a golden thread inside every yes. web. And so find an opportunity to make a connection and yeah. to somehow get some joy out of your day every day. That's everyday amazing. That's what that is. This Red Table Talk episode was important and impactful, but it was also heartbreaking and possibly triggering for people. So with our episode, we wanted to give our community a gift, which means we're doing things a little differently today. We don't have any guests, but we do have some stories from our community, some resources for you, and performances by Black spoken word artists who are taking tragedy and turning it into art. You know, I love that because, well, we started out. It's like Back to the mm-hmm. Future, right? This is great. It's been <laughs> right. a while since it's just been the two of us. Right. And I love, love, love having guests on. Right. But I am looking forward to us having this episode in this format too. So Absolutely. No, let's yeah. get into it. We've received some emails specifically in response to Red Table Talk's Brianna Taylor episode, and we're going to share these stories with you. Emily wrote that Brianna's story resonates with her because she has endured a four-year-long battle in court waiting for her father's murderer to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. She says, Mm -hmm. our voices weren't heard. So many letdowns from the state who represented my dead father. To the very end, they played with our emotions. That Mm -hmm. is hurtful Mm -hmm. as well when you hear different stories. I just wanted to speak directly to Emily to thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for being with us. And then... We recognize that our voices are not heard, Mm -hmm. right? And I want to sincerely share my sympathy with you and with your family for the loss and the tragic loss of your father. It's just horrible. It's horrible. And then have someone literally put you in a position where you have to watch. You Mm -hmm. have to, to bear witness to them not honoring what they know to be true. And then not give you and your family justice. It's horrible. It just gets heavy. <laughs> it's like story after story after story. We're just going to keep pressing forward. But thank you, Emily, for sharing. We do hear you. We do. Thank you. And we had another share. And I'm so grateful to Emily and to Katisha. Katisha brought to our attention a recent tragedy. On October 6th, Jaheem McMillan, a 15-year-old Black teenager, was shot by police in Gulfport, Mississippi, in the parking lot of a family dollar store. McMillan's mother said that when she arrived at the store after her son was shot, officers handcuffed her Mm. and walked her across the street. In her email, Katisha says, we have been protesting. Mm. Stuff like this happens in Mississippi often and nothing gets done about it. I'm so fed Mm. up. I'm speechless, first of all. I am. I'm absolutely speechless. There's so much I want to talk about, but I want to say this, that you can read more about Jaheem in our episode description or online in The Guardian, ABC News, or other news channels. And I encourage you to do that. Because you think about this. Now, Cara, your son's 20. My son's 40. Mm -hmm. Your son has gone to Family Dollar. Mm -hmm. Gets shot. You show up. I show up on the scene, and then we're handcuffed and walked across the street. Mm. Why are you handcuffing me? It's the assuming that I'm wrong for me. Why am I handcuffed? 
I'm a human. I'm a mother whose son was shot. And I am grateful mm-hmm. that people are protesting. I that am part. grateful to hear that. And I, I wish you, Emily, and your family justice and Jaheem McMillan's mm-hmm. family absolute justice. Thank you so much, Emily and Katisha, for writing in to us. Yes, thank you both. And you can send us an email at letsredtablethat at redtabletalk.com or sound off on our SpeakPipe page at speakpipe.com slash letsredtablethat. We are always here to listen to what you have to say. The virtual red table, that's what it's all about. It's time for our first spoken word piece. This is poet, author, and speaker, Ariel Astoria, and her piece, Remember Her. Hi, everyone. My name is Ariel Astoria. I'm a multi-passionate artist, poet, author, and actor. For me, turning tragedy into art means that I am feeling and feeling deeply. I often think that art is birthed out of tragedy oftentimes, And it's in those moments when we feel and feel deeply when we experience grief and pain that we cannot help but exude something beautiful. That's art. This first piece I will be sharing with you is titled Remember Her. I wrote this poem in honor of Breonna Taylor. rage burning for the female body not televised not recorded her death not a silent act a violent exchange a bullet to skin eight times her screams her cries still echoing in the walls of an apartment once home now a battleground she was a brief moment a hashtag Her life, a brief moment, the fury diminished to fumes, her murderer's home sitting comfortably, her body home sitting unrest underground. Do not forget about the black woman. Do not forget about the chest that kept you and the hens that held you. They say seven is the number of completion, so the irony of you not experiencing your 27th birthday sits as acidic as the blood seeped into your apartment carpets. We are one year apart. 27 was the year I found myself, was the year I found how to re-speak the name God on my tongue, the year I found love, the year I lived life to the fullest, your life cut short. Unplugged, wiped from the story, I pray you lived your best year. I pray you found yourself before you lost her. I pray that as the bullets hit you, that God held you all in the same breath while you breathed your last breath. I'm sorry. Your life could not have been seen. This fullness could not have reached completion. Your body may be buried, love, but your name 
will not be. Okay. First, I got to get myself together because you know I'm over here wiping away tears. Bless your heart. You know, I'm grateful for tears because, A, it lets me know that I can mourn. I can mm-hmm. I can mourn her. And I, I can say aloud, Brianna Taylor, I miss you. Right. And y- you mattered. Your life mattered. Mm-hmm. And it is just hard. It's hard to be in a position where you hear such profound words. And that spoken word was beautiful. It spoke to what happened. The tragic, horrific death. And her short life. Short. Short. 26 years is no time. And I I literally, it hit me. I could have been her mother. Friend, auntie, godmother, co-worker. (laughs) I have a niece named Brianna. Oh, oh yeah, friend. Mm. And she is in that same age group. Mm. It, It just hit me. And it... It hurts, but I am so grateful to mm-hmm. to hear it and have it delivered in such a beautiful and eloquent way mm-hmm. that this spoken word was delivered. So that the tragic, the tragic—I mean, I just keep saying that it's word. Literally a tragedy. Literally. But it is necessary to be able to articulate it in more than one way. Absolutely. And so I'm grateful for this artist that she was able to to give us that. Because if any other one person hears it Mm -hmm. who doesn't understand the plight of Breonna Mm -hmm. Taylor's family or mother and doesn't have the opportunity to say, okay, what happened? It was an accident. Or try to somehow minimize the experience. When you hear that, there's no way to deny it. That part. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I want to say these situations are harder than a random shooting or because this is the cause and from officials that we trust. And the further we get into our future, the more we need to continually say that the good guys do not always just wear the uniform. They're not just always coming to save the day. And and I I think that's the harder place for people who are the upstanding citizens and trying to look at the bright side of things like myself because the true side is that the bright side can be the dark side too. How do I tell my grandson Mm -hmm. and granddaughter, you really can't trust every police officer? That part. When they're supposed to to protect and serve. How do you say that? I don't want you to say that. But we do have to acknowledge it because it's the truth. What do you, how do you give them that? How do they even process that? Definitely. How do you reconcile that with, okay, I know I'm supposed to call the police if something happens, but I can't trust the police. Will the police see me? That's why the movie When They See Us was so important. Those were truly babies. Brianna mm-hmm. was still a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 26. Yeah, this, th- that, was, that was a beautiful piece. Absolutely beautiful. Okay, I've got to get myself together. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we'll be sharing seven ways you can make a difference in the world today. And I'm going to blow my nose. Oh, okay, friend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Here are seven ways you can make an impact. This is so important. I'm excited about these because we are all trying to make an impact where we can, right? Absolutely. So, number one, vote, vote, vote. Make sure you get out there and, and vote, vote and vote and vote <laughs> in every election. Okay, stop just waiting on the big ones. Vote for all the people, all the Say offices, local Cara. and national. Okay. Vote. Say it again. Vote, y'all. This is one of the most important ways for our voices to be heard. The 2022 United States midterm elections are on November 8th. Not the 7th, not the 9th, the 8th. Register to vote and find early voting locations in your state at vote.org. Another great way to support the movement is to volunteer to register voters. That part. And I'm going to tell you what, you also need to go to vote.org and check your registration status Ooh. while we're talking about that. Because I am emphatic, as you almost know. If you have not followed me, then you haven't seen it. But if you do, you know that I yes. talk about how important it is to be registered, informed, and engaged. But what I can tell you is that there are literally examples. When I was registering voters, where current voters had been purged out of the system and long-term non-voters were still active. So go to vote.org and make sure you check your status before it's time for you to go and vote because it will be too late if you don't. Number two, donate, donate, donate. Donate to causes that need funding and especially look for grassroots organizations that may need more help than national organizations. Oh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. I love to donate locally, right? Mm -hmm. The people you actually see in your community. Super mm -hmm. important. Number three, support families directly. You can usually find crowdsourced campaigns online when a tragedy occurs. So just triple check that the campaign is legit and that the money will go straight to the affected family. So yeah. make sure you research. That's good. Number four, show up to a protest. Mm -hmm. Yes, protests are so incredibly important to the visibility and success of civil rights campaigns. Car, have you ever participated in a protest? Yes, I actually led a protest. Yeah, you Trayvon, did. I did when Trayvon Martin had his tragedy, unfortunately, mm. a few years ago. And I say a few because it literally mm. feels like it still just it, happened. It, yeah. But the ironic part is he was born on my birthday and died on my son's birthday. No. Um, just the dates, and we just were like. Oh, we, we have to do something about this. So I got my son and my nephew and we made posters Good. and we filled out all the city paperwork and we went out there and we had about a thousand people come and we were on the front page of the paper, the Richmond Times Dispatch. So shout out to my city for supporting me and, and I'm happy I was able to do that. It was super important at the time because my son likes Skittles. I like Skittles. I, I just, it was, it's bigger than the candy and the, the small nuances of the case, but it was, it just touched home. 
That's fantastic. Have. Yeah. How, you, how I, about you? I, huh, Carl. <laughs> I, I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> I think I know the answer. <laughs> what do you think? I was going to say, Tony Braxton sang a song about it. You want to hear it? Here you go. How many ways? That right. part. Uh-huh. That part. Uh-huh. Number five, educate yourself. Read a book. Listen to a podcast. Whichever way you learn best, just make sure you know the correct history and do the work to combat your own prejudices. Yes, that's super important, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in the day of the scroll. We will scroll past just the heading and think we got the whole article. So think you got the whole shebang and <laughs> made just, your and, and we're also super creative. We can create stories they, just right? from the headlines. So, it's like okay, no, that's not what that was. So like, yeah, make sure you read, research, and learn. Yes. Number six, shop from BIPOC creators and business owners. BIPOC stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. Where and who you are shopping from matters. You can use directories like Support Black Owned to find Black-owned businesses in your area at supportblackowned.com. I love that. So, Kara. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite Black-owned businesses? Oh, man. It's a few locally. I love a nice clothing business. It feels good to say, man, I'm wearing Black-owned clothes. So shout out to Reborn Kings. Shout out to Pretty Monster Zoo. That's one of my girlfriends who has her own T-shirt line. Very bold T-shirts. And Mama Joe's Collection. I love them. They're all local in the DMV and Richmond areas. What about you, Tracy? Okay. There's so many fantastic Black-owned businesses. And I have to be intentional and, and shout out three Black-owned businesses that are local to Memphis and that are women-led. One is Virtual Vision Brand at www.bbbrand.com. They do brand management for projects and virtual assistants. I absolutely adore Pops Kernel Gourmet Popcorn. I actually gave some of that popcorn to Jada last year when we Mm. came to Calabasas at popskernels.com. And then No Definition Streetwear is phenomenal. She started this business and has just taken off with nodefinition.com. It's streetwear, it's jeans, it's sweats, it's t-shirts, it's earrings, and she makes all of them herself. Phenomenal Black-owned businesses. Check them out. I love that. I love that. We all like a look at the snacks. So I need mm-hmm. to come back to Memphis is what I'm hearing. Right. I love that. Good eats. Good right. eats. Number seven, last but definitely not least, sign petitions. So whenever you see one, take two minutes out of your day to read about it and sign it if you definitely agree with it. We have a list of impactful petitions you can sign today, organizations you can donate to, and transformative books to read all in our episode description. I'm super excited to introduce our next spoken word artist because he is the first poet laureate from my hometown of Richmond, Virginia, Roscoe Burnham's. He is here with his piece, Metaphysics 101 for White Privilege. I am Douglas Powell, artistically known as Roscoe Burnham's. And I am the first Poet Laureate of Richmond, Virginia. Using trauma as a vehicle to create art is how we connect to people. It's how we relate. Everyone knows pain. And whether it's personal trauma or cultural trauma, capturing these feelings, these moments, these emotions into a poem or a song or onto a canvas, or into fashion, resonates with people in a different way. And 
for people who haven't necessarily experienced that type of trauma, it gives them a better understanding of who you are and what you've experienced. And for people who have experienced that type of trauma, it makes them feel less alone. Everyone wants to be understood. Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be loved. So this poem addresses privilege in America when it comes to race. The poem is entitled Metaphysics 101. Metaphysics 101 for white privilege. So like if a tree falls in the forest and the people in the forest claim not to hear it, did it make a sound? What if that tree was rosewood burning? What if that tree were planted right in the middle of Tulsa, Oklahoma? What if that tree were a dark shade of brown? Would it matter then? Or are you one of those all trees matter kind of people? What if the tree didn't just fall? What if the tree were chopped down? What if the axe was targeting that tree? Now, what if that tree made up about 13% of the forest, but for some reason made up 60% of the caskets? What if that tree had both of its branches stretched like the first day of spring? What if that tree tried to comply and still died? Is this death still a death? Is the death a death when no one recognizes the life? Metaphysics is a broad philosophy full of questions. Challenges what we think is real. How things can be both seen and unseen at once like sound, like breath, like God, like death, like people of color in America. Now, the nature of being, that is the perennial topic in metaphysics. And when discussing race poses a question that only white people get to ask themselves in this country, what does it mean to be? And that's privilege, the ability to question and then decide, the ability to create the standard or the norm and live in it without even knowing it, the ability to tell. Because people of color in America are often told what to be, be cargo. Be commodity, be cash crop, be free, but this water fountain free. Be this side of the border, be underfunded, underprivileged, underrepresented, but overwhelmed. Be affirmative action, because they swear that you got it by affirmative action. But honestly, affirmative action has helped more white women than any other demographic. So really, it's um be just enough to make a campus look diverse. Be hired. Be just enough to make an office look diverse and be voting when they need you. Voting when it's convenient and when they don't be gerrymandered out of a voice. Be quiet because if it doesn't make a sound, well, then it doesn't exist. This country is all white noise, all static and erasure. And just because you didn't create the interference doesn't mean you don't benefit from it. But you can't make the struggle in my skin a theory. We are not a hypothesis. We are absolute. We are an axiom. We are an undeniable truth. And the truth is, it isn't always rebel flags and MAGA hats that is our plight. Sometimes it's the people standing idly by pretending they don't hear us fall. Well, my goodness. <laughs> Roscoe does it again. That was amazing. Ooh, yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Powerful. What if we were a tree? I love that. Because that's truly what we are. That part. We are strength. We are multi-leveled. Mm-hmm. We are used We are useful, we are nature, and we are natural. We are trees. 
It was the tree targeted by an axe for me. Tree <laughs> targeted by an axe. And which axe? <laughs> Several. And who's yielding it? Mm, it's got mm. to take it down. I mean, all day. Thank you, Roscoe. Day. Thank you, Roscoe, for that powerful, powerful piece. Prolific words. We need Beautiful. That. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break right now. And when we return, we'll welcome mental health expert, Brittany Cobb, who is going to dispel some common myths about therapy for our mental health moment. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, we are back with another vitally important mental health moment. I'm excited about this new part of the show. It's a nice moment to just talk to someone successful. And today we get to welcome licensed therapist Brittany Cobb to Let's Red Table That. Brittany works as a consultant and social media influencer to promote mental wellness, educate others, and fight the stigmas associated with therapy and mental health especially in the black community. She's here today to help us better understand the obstacles people face in caring for their mental health. And hopefully we can knock a few of those down for ourselves and our listeners today. So thank you, Brittany, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes, we appreciate you. It is nice to see you at this virtual red table, Brittany. Yes, I appreciate (laughs) y'all inviting me here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for accepting that invite, right? Well, you are an advocate for mental health in the Black community, and we know that treatments like therapy and prescriptions for antidepressants, um, sometimes they're considered unnecessary or they may seem like too much or it's just not something we're used to often. Um, There's the Mm -hmm. idea that we just need to be strong and get through it, right? So what hurdles do the Black community face when they're seeking mental health care outside of what we just listed? Right. Yeah. I mean, so many. I think the the ones that stick out to me the most, the, the first one really is just there's a lot of shame still. You know, there's so yeah. many harmful beliefs and messages that we have internalized about mental health and about therapy. Also, like internal beliefs about opening up to people and sharing, mm. being vulnerable and, right. and admitting that we don't have all the answers. We, we need help. And so... A lot of that shame we carry into adulthood and Mm. patterns we learn in childhood just trying to survive, we carry into adulthood. And those patterns like will go completely against what actually Mm. helps us thrive and connect and build healthy relationships with people. And so until we can like recondition our brains to, to, to not see mental health and asking for help as a negative thing, 
You know, I think that's that's one of the biggest hurdles that I see right now. Another one is distrust in the medical and in the mental health field. You know, the system of mental health, it wasn't formed taking into consideration our culture, our ethnicity, race. Mm, These are important things to consider. And if there's a lack of cultural sensitivity, there's a lack of trust. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. No, I love that you said that because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we do just stay with our parameters of what we know, what happens in my house stays in this house. And Mm -hmm. there are so many other things on top of what we're used to that need to just be unlearned, right? We need to learn new language and new ways of doing things. Yeah, I like that. And I appreciate that transparency because, man, do we need Mm -hmm. this topic. Yes. The stigmas surrounding mental health care so often cause people to shy away from some sort of treatment. We just talked about that a little bit. So we would love for you to debunk some of these misconceptions for us. I'm going to ramble off a list and I want yeah. you to to let us know what, what would be like the opposite language. How can we debunk this? So let me get started. Number yeah. one, if I seek therapy, it means I'm weak. <laughs> what does it actually mean if you seek therapy? Yeah, yeah. Again, like that's a perfect example of what we've been conditioned to believe about these mm-hmm. things. But I do think therapy can be really scary because it's exposing, it's vulnerable. And so a part of the work is, again, redefining what's normal to us. And so for me, seeking therapy is a sign that you care about your well-being. You want to make changes. You want to feel better. And that takes courage to actually say, I can't do this alone. That's strong. Right. Oh, I love that. Somebody's going to set themselves free. You are not weak. Mm -hmm. You are actually courageous for saying something's got to change. Okay, I love that. We're off to a good start. Number two, a therapist will just try to blame my parents for my problems. Yeah, that's a Mm. that's a major one, too. (laughs) So therapy is not about blaming anybody, you know. Right. It's it's really just about understanding the family system that you come from, who you come from, because those things can be impacting how you show up today and in the present, mm-hmm. in your life, in your relationships. Those things can be really impactful when it comes to just building relationships and thriving. And yeah, it, it can be difficult. Some therapy is not really even about going deep into your childhood. It just depends on what you're going to therapy for, but it's definitely not about blaming anyone. Right. I was going to say that too. It depends on maybe what you're in the room for, but Mm -hmm. I love that. It's not about blame, just more so understanding, right? What what happened? Where are we? I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. Number three, if I have a faith background, I don't need therapy. This one kind of resonates with Mm -hmm. me as well. Like I hear a lot of people say, just pray about it, you know, pray more, worry less. Like we have all these plaques and phrases and things and quotes and how does faith really tap into therapy? Yeah. So therapists are held to an ethical standard. And a big part of that standard is meeting people where they are and respecting Mm -hmm. all of who they are and what makes them who they are. And so religion and spirituality can be a really big source of strength for many people. And so Mm -hmm. that is something that can be built into your treatment. And when people are looking for therapists, it's important to know what's important to you when you're looking for someone. When you're looking for a therapist, pull up their bio, read 
their information, what they stand for, what they're trained in. Call them for a consultation. And within the consultation, you can ask questions like, how do you feel about spirituality and therapy Mm. together? How can you support me and implement my personal beliefs and practices into the work that we're going to do together? I love that. I love that because like if there's no common ground, then it's okay too to say maybe this therapist isn't for me, right? So I remember when I started therapy, I was very heavy on the fact that I want someone who has children, at least one Mm -hmm. and preferably a team because I was going through it. You should have some standards so you can say exactly what you need in therapy. That's so important. Yes. I like that. Okay. Another one. Antidepressants will change my personality. That's definitely a stigma. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm a huge advocate of medication, but it's not for everyone. Antidepressants will have side effects, but the purpose of taking medication is to help alleviate symptoms and change how you feel in a positive way. And so Mm. if there's concerns about a change in your personality and it's a negative change, It's important to have those conversations with your doctor. The right doctor is going to listen to you and they're going to want to hear your concerns. Right, right. I love that. I love that you said that because if there is a change you don't like, you can speak up, right? I think people think Mm -hmm. if they start, they have to be stuck with it. And I love that you said it's supposed to change them for the greater or to become their best self because... I think people may have a fear of losing like themselves, right? And changing altogether. Mm. Right. Legit fears too. Right. Well, thank you for helping us debunk some of these misconceptions. I feel like we just have to have more conversations to help keep the conversation going forward, right? Absolutely. So um, another thing I feel like, I think one reason people fear therapy is the idea that I'm just supposed to tell my secrets to a stranger, right? It's just very generalized. Mm. So what is your advice to someone with this fear? How should they build on that trust with their new therapist? I think the first thing is just recognizing that being afraid is normal. It's normal for therapy to be a scary process, meeting someone for the first time, especially not knowing what to expect, what they're going to ask, what is the process going to be like. I would also say like, it's not really your job to build trust with your therapist. It's your Mm. therapist's job to build trust with you and Mm. create an environment where you feel safe enough to open up. And that's going to take time. So I would encourage people to just be open to the process. And a part of that is is accepting that it's going to be scary. (laughs) I would encourage them to be open to speaking with the therapist about some of those fears because the therapist is able to work with you and help ease some Mm -hmm. of those fears that you have. Okay. I love that, though. I mean, it's all about working together. And I think Mm -hmm. it just feels like for some people, like they're going into this, especially if they're already coming into therapy feeling alone. They may Mm -hmm. feel like it's just another task on my list that I have to do alone. But what I'm hearing is it's definitely a teamwork environment. And again, your therapist should help to build that trust with you as well. So hopefully they'll have some strategies that can help many different people. I know there's not just one way to do this therapy thing. So hopefully we all have some new good perspectives about it today. Well, thank you so much for coming to the virtual red table, Brittany, and sharing your insights with us. You can learn more from Brittany about these topics and others at a blackfemaletherapist.org. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. 
we are ending this episode with some hope and joy. Oh, we need a little hope and joy. This is Arielle Astoria once again, this time with her poem, This Here Joy. I wrote This Here Joy in a season where I was overwhelmed with all of the grief and trauma we experience as Black people, and I just needed a breath of fresh air. So I wrote one. When Black people tap into joy, heaven's gates open. And what you feel is not the wind, but angels dancing in the trees singing symphonies of this here is on earth as it is in heaven. Floodgates are opened. Tears may fall, but not in vain. No trace of pain, just the release that joy can be felt without guilt or wondering when the door will come knocking with anything but good news. See, this here is good news, too. When black people tap into joy, this is the sweetest of sighs, a sigh that has not been held by generations of breaths, not breathed a sigh that releases the stifled scream. See, there is no room here for unnecessary opinions. When black people tap into joy, it is worship. It is all of the symphonies colliding into one smile, one dimple, one pure, bliss-filled, blessed-like joy. That is one thing that cannot be taken away. This joy, this felt in the depth of our being, an audacious, full, and courageous, and the greatest prayer we've ever prayed. When black people tap into joy, our bodies can't help but dance and shake and move the moment the movement when something takes over your whole being and the weight of racism and violent systems that were never meant to hold you finally take a back seat and cannot claim this joy and we dance and we laugh and we're loud when we want to be because when black people tap into joy that there is a holy moment and what do you do in the sight of such sacredness? You take it in, but you cannot take it away. It's beautiful. I love that because it spoke it's, it spoke so much to what we are, Black people. Have to, what we have to be, not even just are, what we have to be. I, I've, I've always felt a sense of, but yeah, but, but I mean, like, just to be weighted, I, it's like we don't even have the energy to. We have to constantly mm-hmm. press toward, rise up, be more. Come show on, Dr. That. Maya Angelou. Come on now. <laughs> Tapping into her. Let us have it. Let us hear it. Let us feel it. That part. It's real. And the thing that makes it so real is that you have to be able, I mean, you think about it. Yeah. The joy, the hope and joy is really the audaciousness, as she said in her poem. That, that part. We, we, we have it. It's an eight at this point. That part. We want to take a moment. Silence on podcasts are hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not what you want. But I think that there's some some appropriateness just for us to have one second, just to have it as a dedication to Brianna Taylor and her family. Right. If you want to know how to support Brianna Taylor's family, visit justiceforbrianna.org to support Brianna Taylor's family directly and support their fight for justice. Absolutely. 
We want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk, and we are open to talk about anything with you all. So please send in your questions at let's red table that at redtabletalk.com. Or, of course, let your voice be heard and speak to us on SpeakPipe. And you can reach us at speakpipe.com slash let's red table that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being with us and tuning in every week. Make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That. A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Ellen Rakuten, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru, and our associate producer, Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.